Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Let's go! Get yourself going, man! Friday to you. Leprechaun Lunch on the air. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Brought to you by the fine folks at Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Also by South Bend Orthopedics. Trusted in the community for over 75 years. I'm Jim. Hello. The app, the... uh, the website, WSBTradio.com, Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash sportsradio960 WSBT. Live on all those channels. So uh, tune in. Say hi. Uh, the, uh, the the chat is up and firing away on, uh, on Twitch. Really on fire. On fire. Um, I'd like to start off today's show. I'd like to take a moment right here just just to apologize to the week following the Ohio State game. I probably came on, spoke a little ill of that week. Probably did so in a, in a way that I now regret. Said that week had been the longest week in a while for, for Notre Dame football. Might have used the term week from hell in the description. Regardless, I am sorry the week after the Ohio State game. I am sorry. This past week took the week from hell cake. It's almost like the two fought in a street fight over that. Like, they just challenged each other. Oh, yeah? You're the week from Okay. In my defense, it's not like my feelings weren't unwarranted, you know, you know a couple of weeks ago. But, uh, whew. Doesn't hold a candle to the last week. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Actually, no, I won't. Let's dive into that. I had to listen to all the pundits from ESPN and Fox Sports and CBS Sports Radio and NBC and podcasts and people here in town go on and on and on and on and on and on. About 10 men on the field and how you can... How can you do that? Marcus Freeman needs to be held more accountable than he's actually holding himself. You, know, you remember it all from a couple weeks ago, okay? I'm sure. Some of you were probably echoing it, too. But to hear it for the, you know, those five games or the uh, five days after the Ohio State game, I felt that some people may have beaten that dead horse for way too long. And that was long overdue and that, you know, the horse was starting to stink and we 
probably should get to burying the horse. And then last week happened. <laughs> last Saturday happened. And then the last five days happened as well. Let's be honest, though. Going into that game, we probably should have seen more dents in the armor than we did. Louisville, as we know now, may have had a cupcake schedule, but went into that game deserving of a top 25 spot, even if it was just number 25. Sam Hartman had never played well for for Wake Forest when they played at Louisville last Saturday night. No difference whatsoever. If If it hadn't been for a couple of good runs during the Duke game, we probably should have seen it coming that Audric Estime really didn't have a great game against the Blue Devils either. You take away that 30-yard touchdown, and he was held to 51 yards on 17 carries. That's a three-yard average. Wide receivers haven't exactly been you know, knocking us out, leaving us breathless or anything like that, as far as how great they've played. They've been you know, so-so. Inconsistent. When you take a so-so inconsistent group of receivers and and then take a couple of them away, doesn't exactly mean that they're all of a sudden going to be better that week. Rico Flores has to make a better effort to fight for the ball on that uh, that first interception that Hartman threw. Because that kind of looked like he... I mean, even if you have to turn into the defender on that play, at least it doesn't lead to a turnover. The defense has been missing tackles. Tackles at a top 25 defense should not be missing. And I mean that as a a team in the top 25. I don't, you know, I'm not looking at the rankings for any of that stuff right now. But as a team in the top 25, still, Defense should be tackling a lot better. On way too many occasions, the Cardinals were able to get past the front seven. Way too many times. And it happened against Duke. Happened against Ohio State, too, a couple of times. I felt the I felt that they the Irish gave up way too soon on the speed plays, too. Now I know I was just saying, you know, it's not like the, the wide receiver group is gonna get better all of a sudden, but I mean Jordan Faison's touchdown. Felt like the last time they used their speed to their advantage to get on top of Louisville's secondary. Like, that was it. Sam, you get one shot to do it. Make it count. We're doing it here in the first quarter? Yep. What about if we need it later in the game? Nope. We'll get into that whole little thing in a little bit. And yes, you know, like I said, Irish were short, but they knew they would be a man down all week. You know, it's the... Granted, the, the, the Great House injury, yes, they didn't know about that leading up to. All right. They figured he was going to be fine, although he tweaked the, the hammy in, on you know Thursday of last week. Game time decision didn't go their way. Okay. But still, you knew, you knew Colsey was going to be gone. He could have worked in Jeremiah Love or Jadarian Price into a couple of receiving plays throughout the week. You know, nothing too... Uh, Nothing exactly hard or anything, you know, but something, you know, because those guys can, those guys can cook. 
Whole team was just flat, too. Just flat. I get that. I kind of get that. They're coming off two games that came down to the final seconds. Probably two of the more exciting college football games of the season. Especially that Ohio State game. The Duke game, it, it's it's on that like you know, top top twenty list at least. Notre Dame Ohio State game, that that's like a that's like a classic, actually. That's that was an instant classic. So of course, you know, they, they didn't have the juice that they needed to even stand a chance against Louisville. All right. There's only so many times that you can go to the well. No matter how good of an athlete you are, no matter how good of a team you are, no matter X, 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 and X, there are going to be points where the well is just dry. Understandable. Then there was this. Everything we do as an offensive staff is a collaborative effort, and we talk about it. And so, you know, I have no issues with the play calling, right? I have issues with the execution, and and that's what we have to attack. We can blame it on the call. We can blame it on anything we want, but the reality is if we feel strongly enough to call that play, then we have to have answers for why it did or doesn't work. And so that's where I'm attacking is why didn't it work? If if this guy was supposed to do that and he was supposed to do that, then then that's the issue. We have to make sure our guys are crystal clear on what they need to do and don't make mistakes. <laughs> anybody else? Anybody else? Got to break out in a little sweat there. The seeds been planted between the end of the Louisville game and Monday afternoon. You know when when that was said in in his Monday press conference, but that line sprouted an argument that very quickly turned into the infamous dead horse. How many times can we beat this horse, and how thoroughly can we beat it? People took sides. It was the play calling. No, it was the execution. There were some of us, I think myself included, dealing with a little bit of PTSD from the time-honored tradition from the Brian Kelly era of tossing someone under the bus. I'm sure I wasn't the only one. I still get a little emotional when I think back to those days. It's good to see LSU also uh, <laughs> also gets to live through that now, much to their chagrin. I'm here to tell you that th- that argument has no winner. Even right now, there's no winner. Play calling, execution, it was both! It was both bad play calling and bad execution. All right? It was both. It was both sides of that coin. That coin, it may have looked like a gold coin. It was nickel spray-painted gold. One of those cheap kind of gold bracelets that turns green on your wrist. Yeah, one of those. And honestly, you know, this this whole thing? Everything we do as an offensive staff is a collaborative effort, and we, we talk about it. And so, you know, I have no issues with the play calling, right? I have issues with the execution. I hope that that actually, like, kind of spurred up a little fire. I hope it caused a little bit of tension this week, quite honestly. 
cause tension with the players, cause tension with the, you know, between the coaches. Hell, cause tension between the players and the coaches, quite honestly. Because they need something. They need some kind of spark. No better spark than tension, really. I really do hope that it, it, it inspires both sides to do better this coming weekend against USC. Because, I mean, first of all, they'll need it if they want to avoid a non-New Year's Six Bowl. Which, the more I think about it, looks more and more like a long shot, quite honestly. All right. Just just get ready. I'm preparing myself mentally now for the uh, for the day after the Heisman when they announce the, the college football playoff and the bowl schedule and all that. They make it all official. We should all pack like we're not going somewhere tropical. Get those bags ready for Nashville or El Paso or the Bronx or Whatever godforsaken place looks as gray as it does outside. Jesus, like seriously. Some sunlight would be nice. And then there's the the other fact of it. You know, if you get a if you get a Notre Dame team that's that's playing better, um, less likely a chance that you're gonna get boat raced by USC's offense. That is a that whew. that is a potent offense to say the least. That that that's and it's all one guy too. It's all one guy. It's all Caleb Williams. Like if 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 he wasn't there, you know, see, you know. Born two. Maybe. <laughs> like they're in the same boat that we are at this point. But man, when you have a guy like that, you take advantage of it, and that is exactly what USC is doing. Just scoring it well. Defense be damned. <laughs> There's no such thing as defense. Of course, when you're spending as much money NIL NIL wise as, as USC might be, and you know, neither here nor there. Um, maybe there's not room in the budget for a defensive coach or two. Maybe that's maybe that's what's happening. I don't know. But USC, I mean, that that's... I was watching them against uh, Arizona, a, a game that they really should not have gone to overtime with, but did anyway... Um. Yeah, that that oof, woof. But that offense. Clearly, they have uh, they have had the benefit of of not having a whole lot of good defenses <laughs> on their schedule, like a lot, a lot. Let's look at the USC schedule here. San Jose State, 
Nevada, Stanford, Arizona State, Colorado, and Arizona. It's not exactly a murderer's row as far as defense goes. I'm trying to do the point total real quick in my head, too. Let's just say like close to 300 points. Maybe not, maybe not to that point, but coming up, coming up pretty hot on it. 56, 66, 56, 42, 48, 43. That's a lot of points. USC's also given up plenty of points, too. Okay, so Nevada, yeah, 14 points, no big deal. Especially when you're putting up 66. But 28 to San Jose State? 28 to Arizona State? You let Colorado back in after being up, what, three or four touchdowns? They put up 41? Arizona State took you to overtime? Gonna get, they're gonna drop a game here at some point. I know they are. Got Notre Dame tomorrow, obviously. Then Utah. Then you got Cal. Okay, it's not gonna be that game. And then Washington and Oregon back to back before UCLA. USC is about to get found out. All right, they're about to get found out. Is it gonna harm Caleb Williams's Heisman hopes? Probably not, because they'll probably keep scoring, you know, six or seven touchdowns a game and not throwing any interceptions. Kid's good. I mean, there's there's a reason why teams are tanking for him in the NFL, unofficially so. But I mean, you know, I would I would rather Notre Dame be the team that lets the world know, hey. These guys are a fraud. I mean, wouldn't that wouldn't that make this season like wouldn't that just be the highlight right there? Just saying. I'd I'd rather be the one who said, "We told you, we told you, they're a fraud." Looking at ESPN.com, too, their matchup predictor. Notre Dame favored right now. Notre Dame's a two-and-a-half-point favorite at this point, according to Caesars. We'll get into the odds and all that stuff, and I'll, I'll make a pick, too, coming up in a little bit. But, I mean, you know, the, the, the air is right. That's still a good defense. They just need to tackle better. Or, you know, in some cases, tackle, period. Hopefully, hopefully tomorrow night is, is I can actually plan out a show, and it's actually going to be a a, a a good post game show after after the game, maybe. Although last week I was able to keep that plan pretty well, just not the results I wanted, but you know, them's the breaks. Coming up. Marcus Freeman talked to the media yesterday. We'll hear what he had to say.
Also, um, there was there was some straight up uh, there was some straight up wide receiver on wide receiver crime going on last night on the NFL Network. Hopefully, you saw it. If you didn't, I'll show you what what I mean. It's all part of Leprechaun Lunch coming up. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch rolling on. Marcus Freeman talked to the media yesterday for a couple of minutes. Here's what he had to say. And we started all with WHME's Chuck Freebie. Coach, first of all, uh, just inquiring, as you look ahead to this game, USC's running game doesn't get talked about as much with Caleb Williams, a quarterback, but what concerns do you have in stopping their running game? Um, you know, it's a, it's a challenge. They got a stable of, of good running backs, um, a good offensive line, a good scheme. Uh, you know, so we got to be able to stop the run and we got to do it in, in different ways. Um, and I think success on defense always starts with being able to, to, to stop the run. And so, uh, we've been practicing it, and, and we feel like we have a great uh, a plan for it. We'll go next to Tim O'Malley. Coach, statistically, they haven't been great defensively, but when you see them playing at their best, especially that front line, the edge rushers, what what does USC do well defensively that will challenge you on Saturday night? Yeah, I think they're they're aggressive. They they have a good scheme. Um, you know, I, I know some of the stats might not say, but um, they they've been. Uh, They've been really good, and uh, they're, they're aggressive, as I said. Um, they got athletes all over the field, and, you know, those guys up front, um, they, they put a lot of pressure on the quarterback in the pass game. And so um, I know our offense knows it's, it's got a great challenge ahead of it. We'll go next to Eric Hansen. Hey, Coach, I got a couple for you. The first one is this is one of the most demanding weeks for – your players from an academic standpoint. So how have you seen them balance what needs to be get done on the practice field versus the classroom? And then I'll ask you the second part after you answer that. Yeah. As I told them on Monday, like this is, uh, you know, every week at Notre Dame is challenging. Right. And, and that's, that's what um, they, they do. Right. And, and I know they had midterms this week, but, but, it goes back to preparation for your, your midterms and, and, you know, going and, and, and doing a good job. And so, you know, as I told them, we won't look to make any excuses. We embrace um, the the challenge of the academic rigors of, of Notre Dame. And it's what makes this place so special. Um, and so our guys have done a great job. They've got to prioritize getting rest, prioritize, you know, no wasted time. And uh, I think they've done a really good job. And then following up on that, as far as the fixes and so forth, what have you seen from Sam Hartman from a leadership standpoint in that regard? And how has he played a part in the things that you've wanted to get better executed? I think the biggest thing with Sam is he's consistent, right? You're, he's, he's experienced. He's been through um, wins and losses. And so he continues to be the same person, um, the same leader. And uh, um what happens the week before does not affect the way Sam approaches his preparation uh, and approaches his leadership. So 
Um, I've been really pleased with with what he's done in terms of every single week of preparation and leadership amongst our offense. We'll go next to Pete Sampson. Marcus, I was wondering if you could get a little bit micro on the execution and sort of short yardage run situations, um, you know, particularly the two in the second half, the one to Payne and the one to Estimate. Like, what what do you need to see there? What needs to get cleaned up? Um, man, think back. The one with the front. Yeah, you know, it, they they brought two backers. Um, they they were aggressive. We we. It wasn't a look we haven't seen. Um, we just have to make sure we ID the guy that is coming. We play square with fundamentals, and um, we get the guy blocked. You know, there's two guys for two guys, and, and uh, we overemphasize blocking one guy, and we let the guy run free that that created a uh, obviously a tackle for loss. And um, same thing with Audrey. Again, it's just making sure that we are clear with our details of what your responsibility is. And, and this could go not just for those two plays, but for, for every play um, that doesn't have success. What's the reason why? Let's clarify why, and then we have to go out and execute. And so um, to piggyback on that, we talked about in our press, com- the same conversation me you had at the press conference that, you know, if we have to simplify so there's no confusion into what we're doing and why we're doing it and how we have to get it done, then we have to do that. So those were the two issues on that that play. It was it was IDing the right guy and making sure that we play with the correct fundamentals so we can get our job done. We'll go next to Tim Priester. Wait, what? Marcus, I was wondering from a from a pass rush standpoint, I was wondering what you learned from the experience with Caleb Williams last year as well as someone like Brennan Armstrong from NC State and Riley Leonard. I realize that Caleb Williams is probably on a different level, but just what you've learned from those experiences, including last year. Yeah, you got to continue to um, trust your pass lanes, trust your rush lanes, um, and know that the play is never over. Right. There's a lot of times when you're playing quarterbacks where if you get them to step up and you force them to a lane, um, you know, sometimes you feel like, hey, he's going to either take off and run or he's going to, you know, throw it out of bounds. But Caleb Williams finds a way to continue to extend plays. And so we have to be controlled but aggressive, right? Controlled aggression is what we talk about in our rush lanes. But understand the play is never over with Caleb Williams. You have to continuously play through the whistle. Uh, the minute you think he's running one way, you better be alert because he could turn around and run the other way. And so um, we can't play prevent defense. I told those guys we have to be aggressive, but we have to understand the rush lanes that we're rushing in and also understand some of his escape routes. And uh, that's something that we've been working on. We'll go next to Tyler Horka. Hey, Coach, I'm just curious what you've thought of the running back splits the last few games. It seems like some of those guys are getting phased out. I know they're all still playing, but it seems like Audric number one and Jeremiah love them. Do you feel like there's a – situation where maybe those guys become sort of 1A, 1B, and, and Love's getting more carries? Yeah, I think you've seen an increase in, in Jeremiah's um, carries production in the past few games. Uh, you know, he's, he's continuously getting better. Um, Audric is, is Audric. He we, we got to continue to, um, you know, give the ball to Audric and, and, and protect him and, and making sure that we open up some run lanes for him. Uh, you know, but we still feel comfortable with Jadarian and, and Jabron and even Devin Ford coming in the game in their specific roles. And so um, we know as the season goes on, you, you, 
as I said weeks ago, you can't continuously play five guys equally, you know, and, and that's what you've seen is that Audric and, and, and Jeremiah have taken probably the, the majority of the load with, with Jadarian being third. And so I think you'll see a similar type um, mindset as we go into this game. You know, there's there's certain packages for certain guys, but we're going to continuously make sure that Audric Estime and Jeremiah Love have a chance to, to do some, some things with the balls in their hands as, as well as Jadarian Price. We'll go next to Mike Berardino. Good afternoon. Um, wanted to ask about the, uh, the possibility of a, of a wet ball, uh, inclement, inclement weather kind of game. You guys have practiced for those, I, I think it was Navy and NC State. Do you, uh, we've seen um, some of the footage from USC where they're, they're using a garden hose to spray uh, water at the punt returners. I wonder if Coach Biaggi has anything uh, outside the box to prepare his specialist or just what goes into wet ball drills outside of dipping the ball in a, in a bucket. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've done wet ball drills obviously throughout the season, but yeah, this week too included we in special teams. We, we try to make sure we're using a wet ball and, and it's for those specialists, but also for the returners. And so we've done some things to, to make sure that they are um, able to, you know, execute their assignment with a wet ball and, that might be spraying the, the, the ball, making it wet, or or continuously trying to distract returners um, in different ways to catch a wet ball. And so we've uh, addressed it Tuesday, Wednesday, and we'll do it again today. We'll go back to Tim O'Malley. Hey, Coach. Sorry, I didn't get my hand up for the follow-up. Uh, offensive guards, did you, did you want to look for a set rotation? Do you want to look for two this week? How did that kind of play out in terms of the, the competition you want at that position? Yeah, we um, again the the rotation of the guards will will be is is at times their play um, dictates. You know, last week obviously with Coogs not being able to practice uh, for for a day and a half of of preparation went into the, the thought of rotating guards. Um, you know, but but I feel like everybody's had a good week of preparation. You know, we'll go into the game plan to using. The, the normal starting five, but again, play time at times dictates, um, you know, putting guys in the game. You know, if we don't play to the standard that we believe our offense or anybody on our team should, then you have to be able to put guys in the game that you feel can do their job. And so I don't ever want our guys playing fearless, like playing to, with fear of being taken out of the game, but we also have to make sure that our guys that are in the game are executed. We'll do one last call for questions. Any other hands? Okay, we'll go to Tyler James. Marcus, we saw Audric look maybe physically shaken up a little bit in, in the second half uh, against Louisville. How is he doing physically? Oh, physically he's good. You know, uh, I'm sure being in the position he's in, he's never um, 100% probably in the second half of games, but – um, he's had a great week of prep, um, really um, has been, you know, the first thing Audrey Gustave asked on Sunday or Monday is, is how do I continuously help this team? You know, and, and he's not the only one that, that, that said that, that he's a reflection of a lot of guys on this team that want to do whatever it takes to help this team have success. And I'm really proud of the, the preparation he's had this week, and I expect him to uh, really have a big game on Saturday. And there's Marcus uh, Marcus Freeman's media availability yesterday on Zoom. So um, 
I totally forgot that this was uh, this was midterms week too. You kind of forget about that when when you're dealing with just hell college sports in general. We forget that these you know these athletes are also students. They are student athletes. Should be pretty even though. Like US USC's got a has a lower acceptance rate than uh, the Notre Dame does. Notre Dame's is like 15.1% acceptance rate. USC, I was just looking at it, 12 and a half. Did not know that. <laughs> like, I knew they were a private school. I knew they were a good, you know, solid institution. 12 and a half. Damn. Damn. I wonder a bunch of guys from Southern California wind up going to Arizona State. <laughs> Need a six pack and a and a pulse basically to uh, to get into Arizona State. Anyway, uh, so yeah, the whole midterm thing. I think it's going to kind of just even things out. But hopefully, you don't have too much uh, too much mental drain going on. Fingers crossed on that. Fingers crossed on that. Do you happen to see uh, last night the uh, the the Houston and West Virginia game? Winning on a Hail Mary in the last second. Love those. I love those. Dana Holgerson just going all bigger and McCracken. Tipped it up and there it was. You're supposed to knock it down. West Virginia, you're supposed to knock it down. Anyway. That was their first Big 12 win, by the way, too. That's another another thing that I forgot. Yeah, Houston's in the Big 12 now. That's why they're playing West Virginia right now. Duh. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll talk some uh, some some picks, make some picks, and uh, also the former player on player crime in the NFL really got amped up this week. It's coming up on Leprechaun Lunch Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Also by South Bend Orthopedics. Trusted in the community for over 75 years. Tomorrow, our game day coverage gets underway 1 o'clock. The, uh, the replay of, uh, of Wake Up Echo. Wake up the echoes, and then Tim Growl and I will be out at Eddie Street Commons, hopefully in the usual spot. Like you're saying, it's like it's supposed to rain like all day. I'm I'm hoping that you know it'll kind of break up a little bit and not rain between two and four, preferably between one and five. Actually, that'd be really really great for our equipment too. <laughs> but. Uh, Quite the lineup we have tomorrow, Tomorrow, uh, starting at 2 o'clock. We've got uh, former Irish wide receiver Michael Floyd, played in the NFL too. Players from the 1973 National Championship team, including Luther Bradley, Steve Sylvester, Reggie Barnett, Mike Townsend, and Eric Pennick. And then the one and only Rudy. 
That's right. Rudy Rudiger going to be uh, joining us as well. Uh, that's all from uh, Eddie Street Commons between 2 and 4, Legacy Heating and Air Game Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Uh, Darren, Tyler, and Eric all take over the uh, the game day sports beat at 4, and then uh, the network takes over at uh, at 6.30 with the call of the game and, and their little pregame puppet show and all that stuff. And, uh, and then, of course, after the game, Reggie Brooks and I, hopefully going to be in a good mood, um, hopefully, fingers crossed on that, uh, we'll break it down on the official Notre Dame football postgame show. So join us, won't you? Yeah, especially as far as game day goes. Our goal is to have it in, like, the same area. That area between Brewburger and Urban Outfitters, where we typically are. It's just where along that area we're going to be. Are we going to be right up, you know, right up by the street? Right up by the sidewalk? Or is it going to be pouring rain and we're going to be kind of like in the entrance of that, of that parking garage? Somewhere, somewhere in that alley we are going to be. Somewhere. Fingers crossed, too. Like I said, hopefully, hopefully the drainage is good. Got no reason to think otherwise, but you never know with these with these all day rains. So I don't know if you happen to catch this before the uh, the Thursday night game. I don't know, you know, hell, who was who was really interested between the uh, the Broncos and Chiefs? Really, who was really interested in that? Um, so the NFL Network. Since it's the NFL Network, they do a little pregame before the Thursday night games, too. You know, they don't do the whole big studio show out at the stadium, but they got a couple guys out there anyway. Basic pregame fare, really. If you didn't see it, you didn't really miss too, too much. Unless you missed the part where Steve Smith Sr. went scorched earth on the Broncos' Jerry Judy. And my question is, what's better about this? What Smith said or the studio's reaction? Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy was walking by, and Steve called out to him, and he got a different reaction. I called out to him because on my podcast, Cut To It, I just talked about guys that maybe have not um, showed up in a way or in a manner. And so the word that I've used uh, to describe him in the past was a jag, just a guy. When I saw him, He's playing well. I wanted to say to him face-to-face, like, hey, I know I said some things in the past I probably shouldn't have, and I'm sorry. That's what I wanted to say to him. His response, Mike Rob, was ninja. Ninja? Yes, I'm using the word ninja. That's I'm just using the word ninja. I don't mess with you. And it was a, it was a curse word. And so I was like, all right, and then he repeated it. So I'll say it again. I'm sorry that I said you were a jag, just a guy who's an average wide receiver that you use a first-round pick on that isn't doing anything. I hope today that you actually show up in a way that you haven't showed up in the last couple of years since they drafted you. So if you ever got a problem with Agent 89, I'm sorry for saying that you're an average wide receiver that they eventually will move on. And when teams call me and asking, should they trade for you? I will say no, don't trade for Jerry Judy because he's mentally unable to handle constructive criticism from people who watch specifically, can he be a wide receiver? He could be a wide receiver. He's a tier three. Go back into the studio. I'm done now. Thank you. 
Right? Yes! 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 I love it. Oh, oh my goodness. The football gods oh. have blessed us, guys. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Oh. This is so awesome. I'm not going to lie. That uh, actually kind of made this week worth watching all through the week now. Just, just because of that. Kind of a dull schedule a little bit, but... Mike Garofalo had that kind of same look that Mike Myers had when Kanye West decided to tell everyone something that they already knew in that, you know, George Bush doesn't care about black people. That kind of just dumbfounded, uh, what's happening here? This isn't even the first player-on-player crime of the week either, or first former player-on-player crime. Former 49er Dante Whitmer, and I would imagine you probably didn't see this. Maybe you saw it online. I don't know. But former 49er Dante Whitmer said on the NBC Sports Bay Area Niners postgame, whatever the hell it is, uh, quote, Dak Prescott sucks and has always sucked, unquote. Imagine that. There were some in sports media who were like, this is why former players shouldn't get an open mic. Are you kidding me? This is exactly why former players should get an open mic. I need more of this injected directly in my veins if possible. Yes, tell me the truth. Tell me the truth, Dante Whitmer and Steve Smith Smith Sr. Tell me the truth. Now, we've all known, at least I've I've known it just by watching, and I've, I've thought for a while... Dak was overrated. Jerry Judy's a bit of a bum, especially for fantasy football this season. No, I don't have him on a couple of my team. No, not at all. The difference between me saying that, though, and them saying it, is that they know what they're talking about in regards to that. I trust Dante, Dante Whitmer's opinion that Dak Prescott sucks. He's played against him. He knows. Hell, Steve Smith Sr. just, you know, like, Steve Smith... It's also rare that we have an instance where Steve Smith Sr. is in the right. Like, typically, I remember when he was a player, he he was usually, like, the instigator. He would usually be the guy saying the stuff that Jerry Judy said to him. He was going up to him and apologizing for something that he said to him, and nope. Thing is, they've seen it firsthand. They've seen what makes a player great, or just another guy, or he sucks. Adds a little more gravitas to the thing I, you know, occasionally yell about here and also online, twitch.tv slash Sports. Shameless plug! Anyway. Time to start winning some money. All numbers courtesy of DraftKings, by the way. We start, of course, USC at Notre Dame. And I'm looking point total here. Because if you haven't seen the weather, it's going to be a little bit of a wet track tomorrow. Besides that, too, under 60. It's at 60 right now, or at least when I was looking at it an hour ago. Under 60 is the way to go here. All right? 
60 points suggests that Notre Dame's going to be forced into some sort of track meet with Caleb Williams. And I just don't see that happening. The defense, you know, it can slow it, can can get USC to go three and out or, you know, maybe pick up a couple of first downs but not get past midfield, whatever. And then Notre Dame's offense can slow things down. That whole running game thing, being good tomorrow, really needs to be good tomorrow to make that happen. But if the running game's going, that means the play clock is going to be going down to like two or one. And that keeps Caleb Williams on the sideline. Can they do it? Of course they can. USC's defense is an absolute train wreck. Absolute train wreck. So long, drawn-out drives, I think, are going to be the way that uh, that it goes for Notre Dame. I like the under of 60 on this. couple of NFL bets for you here. Let's get into those, at least the uh, the ones of, uh, of nearby regional interest. Uh, your Chicago Bears plus three against the Minnesota Vikings. Did, did Vegas watch the Bears play last week, and did they watch the Vikings play last week? Vikings get, admittedly, a pretty soft landing spot for unveiling a pass, uh, pass offense without Justin Jefferson. Not gonna, you know, that that vaunted Bears defense is not something that anybody is saying this year. Bears gave up nearly 400 passing yards to Washington. Also, uh, the Chicago secondary—they've got a chance to be much healthier this week. Multiple starters have uh, returned to practice this week. Potentially windy game, that whole Windy City thing could be an issue tomorrow. That could also help out the Chicago defense if passing is more difficult than usual. And also, you know, that whole Vikings losing uh, Justin Jefferson for four weeks thing. Chicago run offense can still be effective, you know, as long as it's centered around Justin Williams and Deontay Foreman. Or Roshan Johnson. If Roshan Johnson can't go, then it's going to be Foreman. They'll be fine. I, I I like Chicago plus three. Chicago and the points. The more, I think, concrete thing to go here with. Whatever the hell I just said. Thing to go with. Prop bet. DJ Moore going over 57.5 total receiving yards. Justin Fields, in case you haven't noticed, has performed more like the Justin Fields we saw last year against teams, you know, like New England and against Miami and whatnot. He's played a lot better the last couple of weeks, which has left DJ Moore with some really good stat lines. And I say this as a guy who's not bitter at all that I wasn't able to pick up DJ Moore at all this season. <sighs> last week, I... <laughs> a team that I was playing in fantasy football had, had both Justin Fields and DJ Moore. So I was down 100 points before Sunday even started. Awesome. But he posted a hundred, you know, DJ posted 130 yards receiving against the Broncos in week four, followed that up with 230. And now he's facing a Vikings team that has allowed the most receptions and most receiving yards in the league to opposing wide receivers. 57 and a half almost seems like a gift. The over. 
Uh, Detroit at Tampa Bay. I like Detroit. They're favored by three. Uh, put the Lions in another uniform, and that line's probably a lot bigger. That's probably like a five-point spread, even. People are just still hesitant to buy in on Detroit being an elite team. Can you blame them? It's the Lions. Look at what the Lions have done historically. But they're really good right now. They're dominant on both sides of the ball. Aiden Hutchinson is an absolute freak this year. The Bucks are also a bit of a paper tiger. They don't have a great win. They got blown out by the one good team they played in Philly. Detroit's going to roll against Tampa Bay tomorrow. That's the uh, that's the late game on Fox, by the way. So, I mean, Detroit's getting late game on Fox, you know. As Detroit being the reason to tune into those games, like, what kind of a world are we living in right now? Colts are at Jacksonville tomorrow. That's a big U- uh, AFC South matchup. Uh, one o'clock game on CBS. It's a uh, rematch from Week One. Jaguars won that week by 10, but final score a little bit misleading there. Both teams pretty closely matched. Colts owning a net yards per play of minus 2. Minus point two, Sorry, minus point two. Jacksonville holding minus point six this season. Colts offensive line? Actually not bad. Like, they... Anthony Richardson getting hurt wasn't on the offensive line. All right. They're ranked fourth, while Jacksonville's ranked 27th in sack percentage. Fourth. It's a tough spot for the home team, too, after playing back-to-back games in London. Sure, they've got history on their side. The Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. But they should be highly motivated to win this game. By the way, weather's going to be kind of a thing all over the NFL on Sunday. All over college football this weekend, too. Down in Jacksonville, it's going to be mild. Wind between 10 and 15 miles per hour. Take the points. Colts four and a half. And I believe in Gardner Minshew, too. Which, again, what kind of a world are we living in right now? Back to college. Indiana is at Michigan tomorrow. That's the uh, big noon game on Fox. 45 and a half is the total on this. Wait, you'd think, nah, there's no way. That's a gimme. Au contraire. In Michigan's last 14 home games against unranked teams, the under is 13-0-1. Wolverines are only giving up 6.7 points per game, which is astounding. IU's defense, they fired their offensive coordinator, what, last week or a couple weeks ago? I'd be surprised if the Hoosiers even score twice in this game. So it's probably going to be one of those games where all of Michigan starters are pulled at halftime. But that stat, I, that stat is unbelievable. Michigan's last 14 home games against unranked, the under is 13-0-1. Take the under. See you tomorrow out at Eddie Street Commons for Legacy Heating and Air Game Day. 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 